From Northern Seminary, in partnership with Missio Alliance, this is Theology on Mission, the podcast exploring God and integrating faith and life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Holsclaw and David Fitch. in on the moment and kind of wreak havoc on the harmony of everything, but no, you didn't. You held yourself back. Are you okay today? You feeling okay? I was just trying to chill out. I was also kind of just waiting. I was just waiting for you to pull the mic off the table again. Folks, here we are. First week of Lent. Started, uh, is today Thursday? Started last night. But hey, uh, it's good to wait. It's good to be patient. It's good to be quiet and get ready to listen. So anyways, with that intro, here we are back at Theology on Mission podcast. And uh, how are you feeling about uh, everything today, Jeff Holsclaw? I'm feeling good. We had a fantastic Ash Wednesday service yesterday. How can you have a fantastic Ash Wednesday service? Because the cross is our hope. And death is not to be feared, but it's to be entered into, to be followed just as Christ did. Humility, suffering are all part of it, as you would say. Yeah, it's last all night, part of it. So last night, you're at Life in the Vine. We're now at Peace of Christ. Last night, we were gathered around the altar at Ash Wednesday, and I am having really difficult time focusing because Northwestern was playing Michigan in basketball. And I just had to say, Lord, Lord, put nail this to the cross. I, I, I'm addicted to sports. And, and, and so just so you know, the Lord did not tell me to give up sports for Lent. So I went home. <laughs> and it was one of the most incredible endings to a basketball game. In fact, the most incredible ending to a basketball game in the history of did Northwestern. They yeah, they won. 1.7 seconds. Uh, Nate Taphorn inbounds, long pass from 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 our side all the way to their side in the air. Um, uh, what's his name? Takes the ball, puts it in with 1.5 seconds left. The crowd goes nuts. It was incredible. Anyways, well, so everybody uh, who's listening far and near, maybe we're breaking some news here for you. But Northwestern, their basketball team has never been to the NCAA only Power Five team tournament. ever. And so this year, they're pretty much going with that win. They're with a that lock. win, they're in. They were probably going anyways, but now they're probably a lock. So and, you know, I uh, I did my Ph.D. at Northwestern. You did yours at Marquette. Is Mar- How's Marquette's basketball team? Marquette is, is not good. All right. Well. Ever since Buzz William left, not good. But we have on the Bulls. Jimmy Butler, who's a Marquette grad, and Dwayne Wade, who's a Marquette grad, and so, the Bulls you know, really stink. So, yeah, anyways, we need to get down. We need too. to get what's on the what's on the well, docket back for to today. The Lenten, uh, the Lenten kind of uh, theme. Uh, Dallas Willard, at one of our Ecclesia Network uh, conferences many years ago, before he passed away, he said he was actually officiating the Ash Wednesday service, um, and he said the cross is our way home. And that always stuck with me. The cross is the way. home. Home. It's this uh, 
place of suffering, but it's also this place of hope. And Lent is especially kind of this maybe severe time, the spiritual discipline, uh, living into the wilderness. Um, and it takes commitment. Sometimes it takes planning in Lent. Um, and so we're actually going to be talking about a book uh, by Rod Dreyer, who, which is called The Benedict Option. And it kind of has this theme of the church being in the wilderness and of having to take up kind of a monastic stance. So we want to talk about yeah. the Benedict Option. So we're calling it What is the Benedict Option? And yeah. then we'll cover what, uh, what do we think maybe about some of his proposals. And we're primarily pulling from uh, Christianity Today article, which had an excerpt from the book. You and I, uh, we would love to read the whole book, and I, I think we should even have Rod on sometime. So, but this is like a little prelude. So uh, the of, book's not out yet, right? The no, uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, and so CT's run a feature article on the Benedict Option. I was asked to uh, write a response to it, which is online uh, uh, this morning. You might want to take a look at that. But what is the Benedict Option? What is Dreyer's uh, proposal? Well, you know, uh, I'll say a couple of statements. Maybe you can add the in-betweens here. But, you know, American culture for, for Mr. Dreyer, who is, uh, by the way, uh, a major contributor, editor at American Conservative uh, Magazine. He's got a blogger. He's a famous conservative. Wrote Crunchy Cons about uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, Sid and I, my wife, actually, we read that book because we were kind of at a seminary, you know, and we didn't either fit in the progressive or the liberal or the conservative kind of side, and we're from. I'm from California, so anything with crunchy conservative, and I was like, "Ooh, I should check this out." So we read it. So uh, he is basically saying, I mean, he's he's decrying. It's it's got a somber tone to it because American culture for him has become a real wasteland, barbaric wasteland, to use the words of Alistair McIntyre at the end of After Virtue, and it's become very hostile to Christian living. And so he is calling, in essence, a for a strategic withdrawal of Christians into communities where we can, through our practices, sustain our way of life. And it's kind of like he's uh, seeing, uh, you know, I mean, I've talked to people uh, in various forms of church, evangelical, Anglican, uh, uh, other forms of church that are, you know, you know, we are in such a point in time in American culture, the new dark ages, let's call them, that we need a kind of monastic response, a patterning of our life together that resists assimilation to the culture. And so let's gather in clusters. Let's get in close proximity in neighborhoods. Let's commit to, um, a, to educating our children together and raising our children together and, and um, especially with all of the things going on with sexuality in our culture, we need to band together and uh, create a, a, a community of, and a culture for the shaping of lives for faithfulness to Christian life together. Is that a good summary of the Benedict Option, Jeff Holsclaw? Yeah, he begins off his article by uh, mentioning how when he had kids, he started really reflecting on, well, what does it mean to be conservative? What are we actually conserving? And he looked at other conservatives, and he wasn't sure that what they were trying to conserve uh, was the same thing that he was wanting to. And he was feeling out of place in all these different movements. And uh, and so and he read, you know, After Virtue by Alistair McIntyre, who ends with uh, his book, ends with this idea of introducing the Benedict Option. Now, what is that? So that goes all the way back to St. Benedict and the Benedictine rule. And there were people who started monastic communities outside of kind of the mainstream of the Roman Empire. 
to kind of create these Christian kind of enclaves. And McIntyre was saying, well, you know, we live in a society that has lost any sense of virtue and goodness or any kind of sense of how to organize ourselves as communities. Uh, so he put out the Benedict option and then uh, Rod Dreyer kind of pulls up and he has a whole book now on it. And so he he's talking about like what you said, that Orthodox Jews live in uh, close proximity. So they walk, they live near each other. And so he offers this kind of as a model. He talks about ecumenical dialogue and how we need to learn to be people who can converse with other people. He also talks about, you know, emphasis on the family and education. And so he wants Christians to carve out um, a distinctive way of doing these things alongside the dominant culture. And it's not for him, it's not really a, a, a progressive liberal or conservative kind of thing uh, because he doesn't see either one of those being super helpful. Um, But the question then is that some wonder, is is this just another Christian withdrawal from culture? Is this just another fundamentalist 1920s removal of um, participation in the broader culture happening again a hundred years ago? Uh, Emma Green, and I, I don't know what the title is of the essay, but Emma Green from The Atlantic wrote an essay uh, reviewing the book, basically saying, oh, Christians are leaving culture again. Yeah, Christians are leaving culture again. Okay, so before we go off on that tangent, I mean, not tangent, but uh, that line of thought, um, <clears throat> I think as, Anna, as an Anabaptist, um, I have a very strong attraction to uh, Rod Dreyer's proposal. I think that uh, in many ways, uh, unless we know who we are and work out our lives in a community together, uh, have a certain integrity to uh, our life in Christ, clarify, clarifying what is important and what is not, um, and actually living under his lordship and the dynamics of that social reality of his kingdom, I think it's very hard to actually have a witness in the world. And so I don't know about you, but I am for this kind of contrast community. As an Anabaptist, the community becomes a place where witness becomes possible. So I like that idea. What about, what says you? What well, good can you say about uh, the Benedict Option? Well, of course, uh, just as you said. Well, you start ripping into it, Jeff. I'm Oslo. not ripping into it. You're going to be what ripping good, into it later. Wait a minute here. Nobody's ripping into any ripping of any rip. <laughs> what goods? What good do we have to say about the Benedict Option? Well, I think it places front front and center the need for an intentional organization around community, an intentional um, maybe preservation of distinctive ways that Christians think and talk and even act. And there's a call to really organizing our lives around uh, those values, those principles, the, the gospel of, of Jesus, all of which are very difficult to do. Um, and I think it's something we need to you know, work harder at. It's not just a go to church on Sunday and be a Christian kind of mentality. It's a, he calls it a Christian village. You know, we need to have a full-orbed sense of what following Christ might look like here in the world. Yeah. So um, all in all, um, I think the proposal of being very intentional in community, you know, at uh, Peace of Christ, Westmont, Illinois, where I'm at, a church that was planted from Life on the Vine where you're at, we uh, all chose to live within, I think, six blocks of one another in uh, Westmont. And I'm telling you, man, it was not, that kind of community was not possible in the northwest suburbs because of the nature of the sprawl. But uh, uh, down on the southwest side, 
uh, Westmont, we are we are enjoying rich Christian life and witness because of that proximity uh, possibility. So I just I just want to say yay uh, for the Benedict Option. But now uh, I want to go a little bit further in some more penetrating analysis, and I have yet to read. Of course, the book hasn't come out yet. But some of what uh, what I worry about with Mr. Dreyer is I get the impression sometimes from reading that article in see Christianity Today. It was like six, seven-page piece he did as a feature, the, the feature of the March issue. I sometimes get the impression he's asking us to make a choice between living in Christian community versus being present in our culture. And I want to resist uh, that uh, that kind of tension in the uh, there is a tension but I want to re- resist the either or aspect of the way it seems to be presented you know uh, in the words of Stanley Hauerwas withdrawal is not an option how can we withdraw when as Stanley says by necessity we find ourselves surrounded there's no place to go we're surrounded by definition I would say the church is who it is by being in and among the world. The distinction of the church is that it's not the world, but we are in and among the world. So we can't extract ourselves from the world without losing who we are. Um, so I'm, I want to push back, Mr. Dreyer, on, on the... It, I know you don't say this, and I'll be interested to see if you do say it in your book, but it's not an either-or option. Uh, presence in the culture versus... Um, strong community that has integrity unto itself. That was your cue there. That was my cue. He was pointing at me. I was looking at my notes really quick. I was leaning in. So I like that distinction, or not the distinction, but the the balancing between withdrawing, but then also the reality of being surrounded, and not in like a defensive. Well, for him, maybe it is defensive. Like we're being surrounded by culture. We're being attacked on all sides. Um and in one sense, uh, that's always true of the gospel and of the work of God is it's always being attacked and um, it's always being um, resisted by those um, who do not want to receive God's grace or love. Uh, so in that sense, we are always surrounded. But I think your point is maybe more broad is there's no place th- in, in America, there's no way in which we can actually um, create a new city or withdraw into the desert and create these uh, monastic communities that really are without um, connection. And it, but, but your point is even stronger than that, is that we shouldn't even try or hope for that. We should be distinctive in our Christian communities, but then also understand that we're always engaging with everyone that's around us. And we need to do that productively. We need to do that uh, in a very wise and discerning manner. Uh, but we need to be offering people options or alternatives and calling them into our communities rather than just withdrawing. Yeah, so, um, you know, a typical uh, criticism of Anabaptists has been that we're sectarian. We withdraw. We separate ourselves from the world. And there's a danger in uh, the Benedict Option, frankly, that that we're going to end up doing that. We're going to withdraw, become sectarians, become fundamentalists unto ourselves. And so I want to give three points that suggest that really for the Benedict Option to be an option in the United States, to be true to who we are as the church, we must do three things in, in forming a community of integrity and faithfulness in the world. And so the first idea, and I like your comments on this, Mr. Holtzclaw, first, first idea here is that uh, the church's very reason 
for being is to be in and among the world. That Jesus, well, let me start with Israel. Israel was birthed in God's words to Abraham in Genesis 22 to be a blessing to the nations. That was its reason to be. The church was sent by the Spirit and by Jesus, by the Spirit into the world to bring all nations to himself in the Great Commission. The church, therefore, it's not like we have a mission or it's part of like an assignment. It is mission. But sometimes I get the impression reading Dreyer's article that he's asking us to make a choice and I don't see it that way. Community, rather, is the indispensable first step towards living life in Christ, in the world. But again, it's, it's the reason why we have a community of integrity is both for discipleship and presence in the world. We need, we need to do discipleship so that the rest of the world can see how we live, how we handle conflict. You know, it's like the, the community before the world is not perfect. We're not, we don't turn into perfect people like, and then try to protect our way of life. No, we actually live under the Lordship of Christ where uh, our lives and our sin gets, gets redeemed and transformed before the world. So when I have a big argument with my wife and on the back deck, my neighbors get to see, well, are they going to reconcile or are they going to divorce? And they see reconciliation. And hopefully they, they're able to see the results long-term of reconciling and redeeming and moving forward in our lives with all the conflicts. But that's just one example of how discipleship leads to witness before the world. Faithfulness or mission? Mission yeah. or faithfulness. Sometimes we get the sense that in order truly to be faithful to the holy calling that God has placed before us, be holy as I am holy, and things like that, uh, that we must withdraw, separate ourselves to be faithful and holy. Um, and then the other side is mission, is that people think, well, we got to go out on mission, and we need to be relevant, we need to be engaging, we need to be creatively calling people into this thing, and sometimes we have to wire it down. But what we want to say is, well, faithfulness and mission are not opposed ideas. Rather, they, sh- they should be working Hand in hand. And I think part of it, and this is where, and I don't know if you're getting to this later, but I think part of my concern about the Benedict option Option. is that it assumes uh, this um, idea that Christianity um, has kind of been watered down in a dominant culture and we need to kind of move away from it. So the the Benedictine monks and even St. Francis and other monastic orders came from a cultural time in which Christianity was dominant but they feel like it wasn't faithful. And so they kind of removed themselves from, we could say, the Christendom or Constantinian church that had been watered down, and they kind of separated themselves out so they could do the holy, faithful thing. And so my worry is that when he calls it the Benedict option, are we not just like repeating this kind of same sense of, well, there's a dominant Christian church, which is kind of faithless, um, and then we need to purify it, we need to withdraw, or there's this Christian culture that's kind of calls mm. itself Christian, but it's really not, and we have to withdraw. So, But why, I don't know what we'd call it, but why not something before Constantine, before the monastic movements, Christians were engaging in mission and faithfulness in uh, Roman cities all across the empire yes. before Constantine legalized Christianity, and they were doing it faithful, and they were also being persecuted. And so I don't know what you would call it that, but you were reading this book, The um, the Patient Ferment, and other things where Christians were just being faithful, but they weren't separate, they weren't withdrawn, they were just doing their thing. 
Yeah, and so, uh, I, boy, I, you just went off on a rant that was uh, pretty spontaneous but but pretty rich uh, in terms of examining, <coughs> examining the history of community. Uh, you know, uh, John Howard Yoder often talks about immigration evangelism, how most uh, mission in the world happened through immigration, large communities of people being displaced in one place and moving to another place. All of Europe was... Uh, was uh, evangelized through communities give, bearing witness by the way of life together and engaging the world and all of Europe, you know, by the barbaric uh, uh, displacements of various uh, refugee communities. Um, so it's, it's this idea that a community can really be, should be the place from which mission and engagement is made possible. There's no internal uh, discipleship faithfulness versus external mission evangelism tension. It's one and the same in the way it works together. So that's my first point, uh, uh, that that community is really essential part of mission, not just withdrawal for preservation and defense of a way of life. Second point is that um, we, as a, and this is Alistair McIntyre to the core, um, communities must be challenged uh, uh, by uh, narratives that are external to themselves in order to grow and extend their understanding of who they are further and further, not only for their own development, but engaging the community. Um, there, are, there are places, let's call them empty spots, lacunas, in the way we have come to understand life. And then we get challenged by uh, a community outside of us. And all of a sudden, we have to either meet it or fall apart. We have to either, you know, I, I take it that modern science and its its emergence in the Enlightenment challenged uh, the Christian community in many ways it had never imagined to be challenged before. And there, therefore, it had to engage the way God is a creator. God is at work in the world. God works through physical processes. And it had to grow. You know, there's a lot of challenges that we are being encountered with um, that force us to grow, that challenge us, new situations. And this is not a negative thing for a congregation or a community. Uh, it is a positive thing because it forces us to grow and deal with new things and extend who we are in Christ into more, if I can put it this way, territory. But I don't mean it in a colonialist way. It's like um, exercise. So if you don't use certain muscles, they become weak, they become atrophied, unusable, and then your overall health is diminished. But when you exercise all your different muscles, when you're um, working out in a sense, uh, then everything kind of grows and flourishes. And as a community or a church or a tradition, if you're not engaging uh, other traditions, other communities, and explaining and reaffirming and reimagining why you do what you do, then those muscles uh, become atrophied and you forget why you do. Uh, it becomes rote. It becomes mere traditionalism instead of a vibrant tradition. And so this is why we always need to be conversing with, in and among, and engaging the uh, surrounding yeah, cultures and people and, and our neighbors. This and takes even a... our children. Our children function in the same way, too. Yeah, and this takes by the this this almost takes a posture of uh, an immigrant posture of humble minority position in a culture, which is always asking questions and dialoguing with all the other communities and narratives around us, and that leads to vibrant life. God is sufficient to answer all our questions. Uh, the scriptures are big enough to engage and and extend answers into places we in questions we haven't yet answered. So um, that's it's as if uh, the church were. Resident aliens. Hey, there you go. 
So All right. What's second the third point? one? My third point is that, uh, you know, sometimes when reading Dreyer, I get the sense that for him, God has deserted, deserted the culture. He's no longer there. Uh, I just want to say, no, God is at work in the culture, that despite the fact that Satan roams or is allowed to roam, Jesus still rules and he shall rule until all have been made subject, 1 Corinthians 15, 25. And so he is at work in the culture. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. So let's go into the culture. So a church community is not only um, there to shape character and form families, it's there to shape skills to discern that where God is at work in and where he's ruling at work in the world and participate in that. And I hope that Dreyer's upcoming book develops further the skills that a community affords us to look for him and where he's at working in other people outside of the community. God is at work in the culture, too, and we need to be able to develop skills of discernment uh, for how God is working in the world. He, uh, at the beginning of the, of the article, he, he says, if we are going to survive, speaking of the church, um, and maybe this is just a, a temperamental thing or, or something, but, uh, you know, I would like the church to take a much more, uh, positive or, uh, or not victorious, but you know, like the sense of what well, we aren't trying just to survive. Like God's taking care of all these things. Our goal isn't to survive. If we die, then we die, right? Christ died on the cross and then he yeah. was resurrected. So our goal is neither to survive or to avoid death or anything like that is to be faithful. And the promise is that the faithfulness would always move forward in mission and that the gospel would be proclaimed and people would be transformed. And so I like my posture over the last several months or even years is, is not that we should be wondering if we should survive, but rather like, I see this time as much more as a much richer opportunity for the church. And so my posture, I guess, or my outlook is that the church emits faithfulness will engage in positive mission and that there should be a lot of hope, joy, and celebration coming our way soon. Yeah. So to summarize, uh, you and I are very appreciative of the work Rod Dreyer's doing in relation to the Benedict option. Um, but we just want to say three things about it. Uh, the church is really uh, is a mission. That's its identity, and so it must be in and among the world. It can't withdraw. And the second thing is it must open itself up to challenges out to, to those who are not part of the Christian life because it's in those that we grow. And then lastly, God's at work in the culture too. The church must become the place out of which we discern and engage culture for what God is doing to bring the whole world to himself. So to close this whole thing off, can I give a little pitch to faithful presence as the perfect, uh, the perfect, the, the perfect, what do you call it when a book is a good, uh, what do you call it? Accompanying piece to another book. I don't know. Don't, isn't there a word for that? Boy, you like are. you're pairing the book, like wine and cheese or something. I don't know. Uh, something like that. Faithful <laughs> presence. In faithful presence, I argue the church needs to be three circles. Close circle, which is kind of like the close community, the Benedict option. But it also needs to be a dotted circle, which is where we're working out our life and discipleship before the watching world. And it also needs to be present in as guest in the half circles of where God is working in the world. It needs to be all three. If it's just a close circle, it turns into maintenance, defense. If it just is uh, out there at work in uh, the half circle, it's exhaustion mode, even assimilation mode. And so um, if you want a good book to read as an accompaniment 
to there we go. Rod company. Dreyer's book, Faithful Presence, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, was that a uh, gratuitous. Uh, I'm disgusted with myself right now. <laughs> so, well, uh, hopefully, if any of you know uh, Rod Dreyer, uh, shoot him uh, an email. Say we'd love to have him on the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at uh, Jeff Holsclaw. Dave is at Fitchest on Twitter. I don't know what Rod is. I'm sure he's on there. But uh, I think it would be fruitful to ha- carry on this conversation. I see him Especially much, after the book is out. Yes, I see him very much to read it. as an ally, as working on congruous kind of trajectories, um, the Neo-Anabaptist and his Benedictine option. And so uh, stay tuned. Also, we've gotten some very great uh, reviews recently. I just want to thank everyone who has written a review over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we very much value those. That's a great way to um, let people know um, why you listen to uh, Theology and Mission. Actually, uh, we got a great review about our last episode, uh, Bonhoeffer's Black uh, Jesus and uh, just how that helps someone really kind of think through some of the things going on. So mm. uh, I'll pull up some of those reviews uh, next time, but please write us a review. And uh, we're going to skip uh, what you're reading uh, today because we're going a little bit long and we want to wrap Can it I up. i just make a quick commercial that, you know, if you're interested in the subject, uh, Christianity Today, March edition, just came out this week. Uh, has a feature written by Rod Dreyer. Read it. Uh, you can even subscribe to Christianity Today. I think it's pretty cheap if you s- subscribe online. There's also three or four uh, of us who have responded to it. So go online, Christianity Today, feature article by Rod Dreyer and the Benedict Option. And we'll drop that in the show notes. Also, coming up, uh, does Do We Need the Church by Stanley Harawas in June? Uh, you can check that out on seminary.edu slash on mission. 17 that's for the year 2017 he'll be coming here and you can hear him uh live streaming also if you're not in chicago so this will be picking up the similar theme of how does the church situate itself within mission within culture you won't want to miss it with that this is jeff holsclaw and dave fitch signing off signing off till next time